With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, back at it again, everybody. We're on air. We made it, baby. Right off of uh, Philadelphia trip, the Eagles parade. It's the RIC. It's me and the place to be right here on NFL Draft Bible Radio. What a jam-packed show we got lined up for you today. And I'm proud to say I got in the door at 1026 a.m., we got on air by 10.29 a.m. in 50 seconds, baby. We're rocking and rolling. Nobody can stop us. Nobody will stop us. Over at the NFLDraftBible.com. Can't stop, won't stop coverage of the 2018 NFL Draft. Counting you down. Destination Dallas. Are you kidding me? Nobody's got more uh, scouting reports. Nobody has more player interviews. Nobody has more rankings. We've got it all over there. Behind-the-scenes footage. Combine training path to the draft videos, 77 days away. That's how far we have. It's just around the corner. So check us out, NFLDraftBible.com. New website underway. Stay tuned for that. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, at NFLDraftBible. And we have the National Scouting Combine coming up February 26th out in Indianapolis, a lead into the NFL Scouting Combine, John Franklin the third. The Florida Atlantic wide receiver transfer from Florida State and Auburn. Last chance you will be participating. And we've got a lot more top-notch combine snubs participating in that event. By the way, we're going to talk NFL combine snubs with my co-hosts, Joe Everett and Justin Gamble. Welcome them into the show in just a second. We'll also react to Double Dip this week. We had Mock Draft Monday where we did a live on-air mock draft. So tune into the Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and NFL Draft Bible. If you want to go back to Monday's show, we did all 32 picks. We'll react to that today because we didn't have a chance. It took up the entire show, so we'll react to that. We'll also react to the NFL scouting combine list released this week. 326 players, I believe. Some big-time snubs, as always. On average, about 30 guys get drafted that aren't invited to the NFL scouting combine about 100 110 will not be drafted because hey there's only about 250 draft picks so when you have 326 invites somebody's not getting drafted but as you know if you're a listener of the show about 38 percent of NFL rosters consist of undrafted free agents and that's where us fine folks here at the NFL Draft Bible got you covered from front to back. If you don't like the mainstream media coverage where they hop and bop you over the head with the same guys, first-round picks, they're talking first-round picks on day three of their NFL Draft coverage. We're going to fix that this year, believe me. So let me welcome in the stars of the show. With that being said, first off, we got the executive director of college football scouting out there in Indianapolis breaking it down. I'm going to Link up with him in just a few weeks. I can't wait, Joe Everett. How are we doing? First of all, you can follow Joe at Joe W. Everett. That's two T's. Never leaves a stone unturned. What up, Joe? Same old, same old. And Indy waiting for the waiting for the party to get started here for the combine, man. I can't believe we're already, what, 
two months away, basically, from the draft. Uh, it is official draft season. Oh, don't worry about nothing, Joe. I'm bringing some of that Philadelphia party mentality, some of those good vibes to Indianapolis with me. Uh, party of the century, uh, you know, three, four, five million. I don't know. Uh, I will tell you this. Justin Gamble's in the building. Uh, you can follow him at Gam Scout. He is the director of college football scouting here at the NFL Draft Bible. And, Justin, I got to tell you, man, I know you saw the scene of the NFL draft in Philadelphia last year. I got to tell you something, brother. This celebration of life yesterday, this 50-something years in the making parade made the NFL draft look minuscule. What's going on, my man, Justin? (laughs) I'm up here bright and early out in Colorado, man. And, yeah, I definitely turned on the TV to catch Jason Kessie. Um, I want whatever he's drinking, man. It looked absolutely insane out there. Well, I think he was drinking some of those free Bud Lights on his way down to the stage. If I, if Billy I, Billy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many times I heard that phrase yesterday, but um, yeah, Kelsey was just, you know, he at one point was just jogging down Broad Street and chugging Bud Lights. I know one cop, like one officer came over to him for an autograph as he was drinking a Bud Light, which is great. And then he took the cop's bike and just drove <laughs> drove down Broadside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was just the best um, party I've been involved with in quite some time. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I got to say, just unbelievable to be there. We were there bright and early. Uh, we got in at 7 a.m., did a little – Facebook shout out and uh, just walking in the door off of that euphoria and listen that's the goal at the end of the day every NFL team wants to have that celebration at the end of the year where they hoist the Lombardi trophy call out people like Michael Lombardi and have a celebration down Main Street there in their city so what we're going to do is talk about the NFL draft process and uh, let's see we can we can go mock draft reaction. We can go uh, – we're going to break down some quarterbacks today and do the QB positional drill. But I want to start off with combine snubs because that's what's on everybody's mind. And that's what has people, um, you know, talking and buzzing. And I think that, you know, taking a look, look at some of the list of players here that I'm going to pull up. Uh, first of all, Puna Ford, I think, has been widely recognized uh, as – one of the biggest, if not the biggest, snub, uh, the undersized defensive tackle. I'm not sure why he's not in Indianapolis. I mean, especially after his week at the Senior Bowl, I would expect that teams want to see more. Another head scratcher for me is Adam Brenneman from UMass. Uh, I don't get it. You know, the, the medical is so important for NFL teams. Now the teams have to travel out to UMass for the pro day to get a look at this kid, but, I mean, this guy has had nothing but injury problems. Why not have him out in Indianapolis so that they can get him checked out? I don't understand that. Darius Fountain from Northern Iowa, a guy who created a lot of buzz for himself on the all-star circuit, also not there, going to be there in Indianapolis. And, you know, those are just some of the guys. Joe Ostman from Central Michigan is another guy high on other people's draft boards, not so much mine. Uh, Frank Ginda from San Jose State, the underclassman. We talked about him 
and leading the nation in tackles not being there. Kyle Allen from Houston, we can talk more about our QB positional drill, but on our combine good decision, bad decision, we all agreed a bad decision to come out early and and, and uh, the combine committee uh, holding that up and, and not giving him the invitation. Joe Lanning from Iowa State, another guy I would have liked to see there. Dion Yelder, who was out at the Senior Bowl, uh, Western Kentucky tight end, a guy that could get drafted, not invited to Indianapolis. Nick Orr from TCU. Uh, Mike Basile from Monmouth. I mean, there are some very, very talented players, and I could scroll through. Brett Taylor from Western Illinois, the linebacker. Jeremiah Briscoe, everybody was so high on, the Sam Houston State quarterback, but not there in Indianapolis. Neither uh, Brogan Roback from Eastern Michigan will also not be there. And there's a lot of quarterbacks who did get invited. And uh, very surprising, Ralph Webb from Vanderbilt. I mean, this is a guy that's going to be playing football on Sundays, and I can keep rattling off names, but we'll go over to uh, Joe Everett for his opinion here on some of the biggest combine snubs. I mean, Joe, I just rattled off a bunch of names. Your reaction to the combine list that was uh, released, and uh, who are some of your bigger snubs here if you want to elaborate on any of the players I mentioned or if you have other guys of your own we'll kick it off with you uh yeah the you got two of mine for sure Joe Osman I just think he's a he's a player I don't care where he ends up uh I think he'll get drafted but more importantly he's going to make a team he's just got that motor he lives in the backfield of the opponent. Uh, I, I just don't think you can turn that off, and I would assume a coach is really licking his chops to get his hands on that guy. And then Adam Brenneman, I guess they already know that his knee's junk, or maybe they've just got so much medical background that it's like, well, what, what are we doing here? We've already put this guy through the runner, I guess. I I, I don't understand it because he's, he's a player. There's no doubt and that he's going to be playing as long as he – if he could stay healthy for a string of three months, uh, you're going to have yourself a good tight end. And then uh, I think, yeah, I agree with Ralph Webb and, and Darius Fountain. If you don't know who he is, just just turn on the Shrine game. Uh, you'll see plenty of plays from just the game footage. Uh, I heard also in practice he was just a monster. So uh, I think he'll be playing on Sundays. But the other two, um, Edo Smith from Southern Mississippi. Uh, a lot of people say maybe he was at the Senior Bowl just because he's a Mobile native. But uh, seeing him from footage, you've got a super productive player. I would I would have loved to see what his three-cone is, what his vertical leap is, because his, his kind of jump cuts and his lateral explosion, I would think he had some good test results. And he's just a player I, I like. I mean, there's a lot of want to in Edo Smith, so I think that was a snub. And then the probably the biggest snub due to size, Cody O'Connell, Washington State. Mike Leach names him the continent. Um, I, I guess it's just, you know, too tall. Uh, to get in there and play tackle, just too big and lumbering maybe to play guard and teams aren't interested, I don't know, but I would have thought for sure like a guy like that. We're all curious just to see what he measures in at on height alone and uh, just seeing what he could do in the mirror drills. Is he really that bad off of being so tall? I'd like to know and uh, kind of get that apples-to-apples comparison so we're not going to get it. And then um, I guess two other I want to throw out there, Devontae Boyd, UNLV, I, I, I think he's a lot better than some of the receivers that were invited. And then uh, another senior bowl standout, Trey Williams, the linebacker from Auburn. Uh, I thought he was brilliant in practices at the senior bowl. And just listening to him 
post-practice and in interviews. I mean, this guy lives, breathes, eats it. Uh, that's his breakfast, lunch, and dinner is film and tape and tendencies. I think uh, whatever team gets Trey Williams is going to be very fortunate. And, yeah, that's that's uh, definitely one of my bigger snubs there. And that, boy, this, I've got a long list of snubs, and, yeah, those guys definitely lead it. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like some of the players you just mentioned, Joe, it's just it's it's almost downright insulting and you know even some of the guys i mean that i'm working watching work out at parabolic performance in new jersey like a, a guy like jamar mcgloster from syracuse who was also at the shrine game played through a broken hand all week with the cast and and uh the east coast bully club down there i mean alex officer from pittsburgh was probably the meanest bulldog you want to talk about a hungry dog i mean this guy in the trenches at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, I mean, this is a guy that's going to be playing on Sundays. Uh, Justin Spencer, a four-year starter at offensive tackle at Youngstown State. Even Alex uh, Thompson from Monmouth, um, that guy, I mean, yeah, he might he may be considered a little undersized, but I think, you know, Monmouth, uh, they're going to have a well-attended pro day because both, both uh, Alex Thompson and Mike Basile are going to be playing football on Sundays, and, and they were not invited to Indianapolis. And, Justin, it just goes to show the differences of opinions when it comes to NFL draft prospects. And I guess that's really the, the beauty of the draft process and why people are so fascinated with it because it is so hard to pin down your finger on, on evaluating players and even first-round picks. I mean, at the end of the day – you know, there's going to be at least 14 busts every year in the first round, which is why <laughs> there's just so much turnover in the front offices. But you heard Joe and myself roll out a bunch of names. I'm sure you got a bunch of guys. Uh, your thoughts here on this combine list? It was interesting, to say the least. Um, I mean, right off the bat, I noticed two of my hometown guys uh, from CU, Afalabi Laguda, the safety. And then little Philip Lindsay, the Tasmanian Devil, the running back. I mean, <clears throat> I don't I, – I, it's kind of confusing when you look at the list of guys that did make it, and then you look at Philip Lindsay. I mean, this is another one of those guys in that mold of Trey Williams from Auburn that Joe was talking about. I mean, wakes up and lives, breathes, eats, sleeps, football. I mean, everything this guy does, you can tell, is about the game of football. Absolutely loves it. You can tell by his play style on the field. Um, that's why they call him the Tasmanian Devil. And I think he would have had a good chance to run in the four fours at uh, at the combine and show off some really good receiving ability. So I think they did him a huge disservice because I, at the end of the day, I thought he would have been maybe a fifth or sixth round pick despite being so small. I mean, this is a guy that could really give your team 10 carries a game, five receptions a game. He could end up being something. Um, and then Laguda was a guy that I thought, you know, was going to make a team based on the fact that he's going to be a height, weight, speed guy but he's not really going to get to show that at the combine now. Um, So it's going to be all about his pro day. And then I know we talked about early in the season, the UConn boys, the DBs coming to the combine and blowing it up. And we thought Jamar Summers would be the next one to do that. But um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't see his name on the list. And I think that's a guy that could be a starting safety in the NFL, especially with his, you know, traits and tools and athletic ability. But uh, I didn't see him on there. And I think that's a big snub just because, you know, I I can't imagine that teams wouldn't want to see a guy that athletic get put through these drills and run and do some of the drills on the field. So that is absolutely insane to me. And then the uh, last one I'll bring up is Marcel Frazier, the, the edge rusher from Missouri. This guy has some 
ability. Uh, he's 6'5", 265, I think is what he's listed at. Um, and then, his, you know, he had 40 tackles this past season, 15 for loss, seven sacks. And I think there's a lot of untapped potential there. He's got an explosive get-off. He's not the most agile, bendy guy, but, he, you know, it's enough. And you can tell that, you know, he has a knack for getting after the quarterback. He's got a good inside spin move. I just am I'm, I'm a little more baffled this year than I think I've ever been at, a, at the combine list. Usually it makes a little sense, but going through the list this year, they are just got, there's, there's name after name after name that I can't really justify why they wouldn't be in Indianapolis. Yeah, and Frazier, I think he led the SEC in sacks, which is remarkable that he's not in Indianapolis. So, you know, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of players uh, snubbed from Indianapolis, and which I think even makes more sense for the National Scouting Combine, and we're going to be unveiling some, some big-time names that are going to be participating in that event and lead into the NFL Scouting Combine. And, listen, if the NFL scouts don't come and check out the players that are participating, they're just not going to be doing their job. And a couple of guys, too, you know, we've got some great path to the draft behind-the-scene videos up on the NFL Draft Bible website and our YouTube channel. I mean, guys like Daytrez Newsom from Western Carolina. We didn't talk about him yet, a running back, uh, not invited. Also, Ed Shockley from Villanova, uh, another one of these FCS players just flying around the field with his hot hair on fire, fire from the NFL PA Bowl. He actually just hit me up this morning and sent me his footage. I mean, I'm going to post that online so the scouts can see it. I mean, this guy's just got incredible sideline-to-sideline coverage. He's going to be labeled small school. He's going to be labeled undersized. But he's going to be, you know, I mean, this guy is as good as Tyler Matikiewicz. For for whatever that's worth, I mean, Matikiewicz made a couple starts this year. That's who he is. Um, So I think he's going to be – uh, another one of these guys that the combine overlooked. And again, the list goes on and on and on, which, you know, Hey, if you want to get involved with the national scouting combine, you want to nominate a player, even if you're a player that was snubbed, uh, Puna Ford, I know your agent, I'll be hitting him up too. You should come over to the national scouting combine. Hit me up for more information. RIC at NFL draft Of course, We've got a new website coming to you real soon. You're going to really, really enjoy it. I'm going to keep the details under wraps for right now, but uh, we're going to be moving groove into that for the NFL draft cycle. Uh, let's see here. Let's transition over to uh, quarterback positional preview. You know, we've got 77 days until the NFL draft. We've got two shows here on Block Talk Radio this week, but, you know, we usually air – weekly leading up to the draft and we'll try to preview each position one per week as we get closer to the draft this week we're going to do quarterbacks and again we we've got the uh live mock draft results posted on the nfl where we'll be shifting gears in the next segment our last segment we'll react to that show but we have all the picks posted up there on the nfl so if you want to follow along as we go through that you can do that um but right now it's time to talk QBs and guys, I can't remember the last time I saw 19 quarterbacks invited to the NFL scouting combine. I'm not so sure if it speaks to the, to the depth of the class or if it's just, you know, some guys that they really wanted to see up close and in person this year. Uh, You know, even a guy like Chase Linton, the, the underclassman from Marshall, who, by the way, big time news, if you're, you know, a transfer follower, I'll give you the scoop right now. Alex Thompson 
from Wagner, who, you know, I know the coaching staff very well uh, at Wagner College. Uh, one of the coaches there was also at Fordham when John Skelton was there. He told me coming into the season, he said, you got to check out this quarterback. He's the real deal. He's better than John Skelton. And, you know, coming from the small school, that means I have to do my due diligence, do, due diligence and check him out. But I know Phil Sims is also very high on him. Well, he was being recruited by Tennessee and Marshall and some other schools, but he will now fill that void left by Chase Litton. Alex Thompson, remember the name, injured his shoulder, I think, in the second or third game this year. So he didn't really play a whole heck of a lot, but it's a name that you're going to know for next year's draft. Um, and that's what we're all about here on the NFL Draft Bible.com. So let's talk quarterbacks. Uh, again, 19 players invited. Some of the guys not invited. Um, we mentioned a guy like Luis Perez, Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, Danny Etling is there. Perez is not. Uh, Peter Puljos from Holy Cross, very very under-the-radar quarterback who was at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl that I saw. Matt Linehan from Idaho, another guy not invited to the Combine. Uh, but obviously, you know, we're going to talk about guys that are there and that are drafted. And, you know, we'll start it off with Justin this week or this segment. Uh, Austin Allen is a guy I've been talking a lot about because, again, I got to see him up close at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. I know – uh, one of the Arkansas media outlets hit up myself and Mel Kuyper. We had difference of opinions as to whether or not Allen was an NFL guy. Uh, Mel Kuyper doesn't think he has any shot at all of getting drafted, whereas, you know, I think if he goes in the sixth or seventh round, it would not shock me. So, uh, Justin, I know Austin Allen's your guy. He is getting the call to Indianapolis. Let's start off with him, and then you can dive into, I guess, um, we know Joe is going to toot the hand for Sam Darnold. So are you a Darnold guy or, you know, maybe break down your top quarterbacks and then we'll talk about some of the uh, mid-round and later-round guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Austin Allen, what a what an odd kind of journey at Arkansas, I guess. Just – you know, he only started two years, and he was behind his brother at first. But then he comes in, and he's noticeably better than his brother. And he has a big year, even though they didn't win a whole lot of games or whatever, you know, because let's face it, he was clearly outmatched as far as his team goes in so many of those games. I mean, um, you know, like the Alabama game, I remember watching that game on film just thinking this is – or two years ago from Alabama, and just thinking I don't know how this guy's hanging in there still trying to make plays, but I mean, every single snap he's running for his life or has someone in the backfield with him. But I think it's just something that comes out of those Arkansas guys. I mean, I remember Tyler Wilson from years ago. These They're just tough sons of guns. It doesn't matter how many times you hit them or put them in the dirt. They don't care. They get up and they just keep rolling, no matter who the head coach is, no matter what's going on. It's just you go down to Fayetteville and you just become a monster. Um, and I think Austin Allen has more than enough arm talent to make it in the NFL. We've seen him run their system and, you know, drive the deep out routes and, you know, test over the middle of the field where the windows are small and, you know, you have such a limited amount of time to get the ball out and get it out on time and get it to the right spot. But he's done it and he's, you know, he's, he's slung that thing where you can see that he has that drive and he has the, you know, he has the arm talent. And um, I know this year he dealt with some injuries and he had kind of just an odd season, but 
Indianapolis is going to be big for him. I think if he goes down and shows some of that live arm talent and shows some of that accuracy, and he's he's mobile too. He's not a guy that's, you know, a statue. So I think there's a lot to work with. His height is obviously probably his biggest thing that scouts are going to be criticizing. But overall, take away what you know about this past season and how the injuries went and how he didn't get to start. But if you just look at him as a raw piece of clay, there's a lot to work with there. Um, so I, I know Mel Kuyper has – says there's absolutely no chance, but sixth, seventh round, you're going to tell me some team's not willing to take a chance on his tools and develop him, especially after seeing that his, you know, brother had a little bit of success out there with Jacksonville, and he's a lot better than his brother. So that's that's kind of where I stand with Austin Allen. But um, as far as my quarterbacks go, I know Joe loves Sam Darnold, and I've been doing a lot of a lot of talking with some other guys, some other evaluators, some scouts and stuff. And, you know, Josh Rosen is still my, my top guy. I think he will be. He's, you know, if you protect him, there's not much he can't do. He's got the arm talent. He's got the accuracy. He's got the IQ, the field vision. Um, the things that you can see that he's able to do pre-snap and diagnose the defense and move things around and kind of manipulate things the way he wants to be, it's amazing. And uh, his, his ball placement, you know, accuracy and ball placement are two different things. And I think we talk about those as the same thing a lot. But he's not just accurate. He places the ball in windows where it's just breathtaking because it's, it, you know, not only do his guys drop them all the time, so, but you have to go back and watch it and realize, like, wow, that ball was where only his guy could get it. Granted, he dropped it because he sucks and his, he had no receiving help, but the way that he's able to put these balls back shoulder, over the middle, down low on the goal line, I mean, it, it's amazing. Um, my number two guy will be Sam Darnold, and I think that he's definitely a guy that's going to be a solid starter in the NFL. I think he's a lot of Tony Robo to his game, um, the way that he's kind of a gunslinger. Um, I'd, I'd say they have similar arm talent. Sam, he probably has a little more, but, you know, the athleticism and the want to escape the pocket sometimes and make plays with his athleticism is so Tony Romo-esque, and, you know, um, he's not afraid of, throwing the ball over the middle of the field. He can anticipate windows. He can throw guys open. And I think that's a special, special thing that, you know, young quarterbacks are able to do, especially only starting two years. So, um, yeah, Darnold's my number two. And then it follows off with, uh, I think Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen are two guys that they're neck and neck for me. And it's mainly because they could go to different places and both be successful, or they could go to different places and both, you know, be terrible. I think it's like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. The coaching staff and what they're going to go do, what they're going to be asked to do in the NFL is really, really important because they have um, kind of skill sets that they're not going to, you know, they're not going to drive the bus, but they're going to be able to steer it um, to a certain point. And they both have traits that you, that are definitely NFL level. They both have the arm talent, the athleticism, um, but there's things about their, their skill set and their game that need to be kind of catered and, you know, toyed with a little bit to where they could be successful, a lot like Deshaun Watson last year. So, um, but, yeah, those those are probably my top four. Lamar Jackson <clears throat> um, is fighting for that fives, but he's just got so many different things about his game that I'm still wondering how a coach is going to be able to kind of tweak them and get him to settle into a role that's really successful for him. Okay. I would say that, you know, my top quarterback's, are pretty similar to Justin's. And I think, you know, there's not too much difference of opinion there. I think, you know, the the one things where I might get 
uh, things might get a little bit, bit more interesting is, you know, after the guys that Justin mentioned, I think my next best guy is Kyle Lawletta of Richmond. And I'll get into that in just a little bit more. But let's go over to Joe Everett for his top quarterbacks. And, Joe, we know who your top guy is. And um, I think your guys are, are pretty much similar to Justin's guys, but maybe in a little bit different of an order. Oh, yeah, almost exactly the same. I mean, there's no beating around the bush. I think there's five day one guys and Lamar Jackson. He sneaks in. There's just going to be a team that's intrigued too much sees that running ability, sees the whip he's got. Granted, we don't know where it's going half the time, but, hey, some teams like that. Uh, what if the Bills looking for a Tyrod Taylor-esque quarterback? So I think uh, he's just it just feels like he's going to sneak in that back half of the first round. But, yeah, it's super Sammy at the top um, uh, just for the reasons Justin said. I mean, it's the escapability, the athleticism. I don't know. I don't want to call them intangibles, but feeling the pocket that presence he has back there, uh, imagine with a, a really good line, great supporting cast, he could really just thrive, I think. Uh, but, yeah, talk to Nazim about him. Rosen, I love. Uh, great delivery, great motion. You can tell just uh, all his life he's pretty much had quarterback gurus and technique guys. Just, no, no, this is the seventh step. That's the difference in the five. And <laughs> here's where you want to be. And, yeah, he's uh, – of all these guys, I think Rosen's probably got the biggest head start as far as what he's going to have to do at the pro level. And my third is Baker. Uh, I just think that's he's similar to Sam in that you, he's no stiff back there. Uh, you really have to account for him, and it's not just with a spy or the one rat everyone likes to talk about. Like You really have to close out a side, get contained on one, and then pray that your coverage man on the uh, play side is going to be able to catch him or – stop the pass. He's definitely accurate. I, I really think uh, he, he's going to go a lot higher than most people think and then Josh Allen, the prototype. Uh, that that body build, body beautiful is what everyone's going to be carried away with him. I still do have to say after watching the Senior Bowl, there's a lot that we're going to have to wait on. There, He just looks like a raw prospect right now and yes, he's just this supersized Roethlisberger packaged quarterback, but I don't think he's got the same delivery as Roethlisberger. He definitely doesn't have the same starting experience of a Roethlisberger coming out of Miami, Ohio. So I, there's some things that we're just going to have to wait on, Allen. But, yeah, I think those are the top five guys, the day one guys. Uh, but, yeah, day two, it is it is an interesting group. You brought up Kyle Loletta. I'd, I'd throw Mike White out, uh, out there. I think he really looked uh, not only good at senior bowl, just – his whole career, uh, look at look at the coaching he's coming from, too. Jeff Brom, uh, I, I would like to get Mike White and see what he could do with a, a surrounding cast more than anything of all these other seniors that have been uh, thrown out there. He's the one that intrigues me after all these, uh, I guess, after the blue chippers, so to speak. Well, let's keep it right there with you, Joe. I'll go keep it there. Because to me, after Loletta, I think Loletta and White, for me, are in the next uh, category, and then I think there's a huge drop-off. So before we get to day three, guys, Joe, is there anybody else in that day two conversation on your personal big board aside from Lawletta and Mike White? Uh, but I got three day two guys. It would be Mike White, Western Kentucky, Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State, and then I'm throwing Luke Falk, Washington State, in there. Uh, there's just some things he can do. Now, granted, he is a statue. I'm not going to defend his 
his mobility or escapability at all. Like, you're going to have to run a specific style of system for him, but, man, is he tall. He surveys the field. He can throw receivers open. There's some real arm talent to this guy. I, mean, I don't care if he was a former walk-on. There's going to be a, a system that he could thrive in, so I'd throw him into the back of that day, too, and then I don't know if Loletta makes it in. He's a great story. I'm a big supporter of his, but small school, uh, injury history, that uh, medical, I think, will be huge for Kyle Loletta and mm-hmm. that knee injury he had as a, uh, what was it, junior year, I think, that he didn't get to finish, so... That's where it might knock him down to day three. Uh, I think he's just on the outside uh, looking in, and so is Chase Litton. I mean, yes, he's intriguing and all this and that, but I just haven't seen enough to risk a third or second-round pick on a guy. Right. Well, you know, I agree with your assessment. I think my personal big board, hey, I'd have no hesitation using a second-round pick on Lawletta. I'd probably redshirt him for a year or two. And I think the medical probably does push him down to day three, and and maybe he's one of these guys who uh, becomes, you know, a a great story down the road at the next level because I do think he does need some development anyway. So um, I think a guy worth developing. And and day two, I think that's what you're looking at is a developmental quarterback because, quite honestly, if they're starting expectations, you will go in the first round. And, And that's why I don't necessarily disagree about your Lamar Jackson assessment, Joe. And, uh, Justin, how about for you? I mean, day two, uh, you heard Joe say Luke Falk. I mean, there's a lot of varying opinions on this guy. Uh, you know, he he is going to be obviously trying to buck that trend with the air raid style of offense. But does it bother you that, you know, he was benched a couple times throughout the season by Mike Leach there on national TV? Uh, what's your take on Falk, and who are some of the other quarterbacks on your day two big board? Well, we know Leach is kind of a unorthodox guy. Um, so really nothing he does shocks me, but it is a red flag. You know, when a guy is benched in college, do you really think he's going to be a successful pro? It doesn't, you know, just, just saying that out loud, you're like, mm, doesn't sound good. But – I, I think it, Luke Falk is that guy that it's like his strengths are so obviously good and his weaknesses are so bad that it's hard to kind of – sometimes they mix and on the field and he is just kind of a basket case. It, it's one of those – he turns into a complete head case and you don't really know how to predict what he's going to do because there's some brilliant things he does, but then there's – just the bonehead plays where he's thrown into coverage or he holds onto the ball too long, or he just looks kind of lost, but he's, you know, seeing him live and then watching a ton of film on him. He's just been such a weird evaluation that I think it's going to come down to the team that wants to bank on whether or not they think they can make his strengths a consistency, or if they think that his weaknesses and the things that he does poorly are going to, you know, be coming out too often and they're not going to be able to get good play out of him because he has Matt Ryan moments, but he also has moments where you're like, this isn't even, you know, a third stringer in the NFL. So uh, Luke Falk, I think just how you interpret his game. I think it's just one of those things where, you know, each teams are going to have him all over the place. And that's just, he's just one of those guys. He's one of those polarizing guys. Um, But day two for me, um, I think Riley Ferguson is super interesting. I don't think he'll go day two, but I think there's that small chance possibly. I don't know. He, he's thin. He's really thin, but on tape, 
you know, watching Anthony Miller especially, the placement that he has on some of his throws, even deep sideline throws and, you know, like throws where he's having to drive the ball with velocity, he is putting it where only his guy can get it, and he is putting it on a rope. Um, another one of these guys, Riley Ferguson, where sometimes, you know, you watch the things he does well on tape, and they're amazing. He looks like an NFL starter. He looks like a guy who, you know, uh, for a few plays, you're like, could this be a first-round pick? And then you finish the rest of the game, and you think, where did that guy go? Like, why is he so frazzled under pressure? Why is he so inaccurate right here? What is he even thinking when he looks at this defense? Um, but, you know, his upside, again, is through the roof. I think he's he's mobile. He's got that live arm. He can throw from different platforms. He kind of throws the ball like a shortstop sometimes where – he can sling his elbow around and drop his shoulder or drop his, his angle. Um, he's just another interesting one of these prospects. I mean, he adds to this really intriguing but really odd quarterback class, I'd say. But he's definitely a guy who I think a team could just super reach for and, um, and go day two. Uh, Mike White, I'm with Joe. Mike White's another day two guy for me. Um, some of these other guys like Chase Litton, I haven't seen enough of to comment, but, you know, just off a few live views, I like it. Uh, Danny Etling, why is uh, completely off topic? Why is he invited to the combine? And guys Thank like <laughs> guys like Kyle Allen and, and Matt Linehan aren't because you know at least Linen Linehan and Allen have the tools. But looking at the list of Danny Etling being even Indianapolis is kind of a shame because I don't want to see him throw. I, I I've seen him ruin you know. Travin Doral and Malachi Dupree and DJ Chark enough to where I don't think this guy has any reason to be here, but um, he, he is absolutely undraftable. But for day two overall, I don't think there's a big list of guys in this draft. I think it's kind of a weak quarterback class after the top. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Etling. It's I, the only case I can state for him is highly recruited, you know, four or five star recruit coming out of high school, obviously never lived up to expectations. Maybe they just want to kick the tires one last time. I don't know. Uh, They did see him down at the Tropic Bowl, but, you know, for me, if that's the case, I'd rather have a guy like Max Brown uh, from Pitt, you know, who started off at USC, a highly high school recruited guy who didn't play this past year due to injury. Like you said, Justin, we saw Etling. We know what he is. Uh, I don't think he can do anything to really play his way no. into the draft conversation. And, you know, I mean, heck, if you need an extra body around to throw, toss some footballs around, I mean, I'm available. I'll be out there uh, <laughs> if you need me. <laughs> so, but listen, um, Justin, I'm going to stick it with you in terms of – sounds like, you know, Rosen Darnold in any order, Mayfield and Josh Allen uh, – in the first round, Lamar Jackson, probably a top 40 pick, maybe first round. And that's five guys there. And then you talk about Mike White, Mason Rudolph, Luke Falk, maybe Riley. Maybe Kurt, maybe Kyle Lillard, maybe Kurt Benker. Well, that tells me, you know, there's a good chance that the 10 quarterbacks can go in the first three rounds. And maybe that's why there's 19 invited to the combine. Justin, there's still four rounds left day, three guys. Uh, How many guys, realistically do you do you see here on day three and you on your personal big board um let's see probably austin allen ends up you know in day three rally ferguson is a day three um <clears throat> looking at it tanner lee i think there's going to be a team that's going to say you know 
this guy is big. He has a good arm. He's accurate when he's not having to read his own defense. Um, you know, we let's just put him into camp and, you know, let him sling the ball and see what he's got. I think he's definitely a day three guy. He's old enough to where teams know he's mature. They know he's seen a lot. I don't think there's any question about his off the field, if he loves the game or anything like that. I think he's kind of a safe day three pick to where you know what you're getting and you don't really have to worry about him um, doing anything more than just getting into camp and playing. And then once you exhaust that option, once you decide if he's good enough or not, you can do what you want with him. But I think he's kind of a safe pick in that sense. Um, Kyle Lalletta, you guys talk a lot about him. I like his game, but I, I almost wonder if he has enough arm talent to even be considered before day three for, for NFL teams. I don't see the arm that gets a guy drafted into day two. I kind of see that Case Keenum arm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to go watch more, but I don't know. I, I'm not sold on him yet. I like his poise. I like the things he can do, you know, just as a gamer, but pure trait standpoint, I don't know if I see it yet. Um, Logan Woodside is another guy I want to talk about because I, I like him. Uh, he ran that prolific Toledo offense, which, you know, it's kind of simplified and dumbed down a little bit. But I think day three, you know, an athletic guy who's shown he can, you know, maybe work a West Coast offense and throw a lot of the crossers, slants, and kind of things over the middle. He has enough accuracy. He throws a touch, but he can also drive the ball a little bit. He's not a complete statue. I think that's a day three dude that, you know, some teams are going to bring into camp and think, you know, maybe this is a backup. Maybe this is our 10-year backup. Um, so um, him and then lastly, Nick, I don't, Shimanek, the Texas Tech kid. Um, mm-hmm. Another guy that I think is a career backup possibly. Kind of showed just enough arm talent, just enough accuracy to where you know that uh, you're not risking anything with drafting him day three. You know he's good enough to play but probably not start. Um, so, like, it's it's kind of weird. Looking at this class, there's not a lot of – I hate to say that we say it every year. There's not a lot of Dak Prescott's where you say, you know, this guy just had a weird journey or he, he improved a lot, but he didn't show it over the course of all four years he could develop into a starter. I don't think there's a lot of guys like this. I think we talked about a lot of them. Probably the top five and maybe Mike White, maybe Austin Allen down the road. But overall, I think this is a lot of backups in this class. All right. Uh, that's Justin Garmel. We'll go over to Joe Everett. Uh, Joe, any quarterbacks here that we haven't discussed have a shot for day three? Uh, some some very high-profile uh, names to college football fans, J.T. Barrett, Ohio State, uh, Quentin Flowers. I mean, South Florida, very impressive young man. Devontae Kincaid from Grambling, we, we've talked about on, on past shows. Uh, even Chris Stravelar from South Dakota, a small school guy making some noise late here in the game. I know uh, Dalton Sturm is another guy from UTSA that you've spoken about. Kenny the Thrill Hill uh, over at TCU. I mean, any of these guys, Nick Stevens, Colorado State uh, was at the Shrine game. Any of these guys jumping out to you? Any other quarterbacks that you want to discuss before we move over to our uh, mock draft reaction? Unfortunately, the thrill is gone from the draft. Um, I'll tell you, you brought up two names that make me think, along with the name Justin presented to us. Danny Etlin gets an invite. JT Barrett gets an invite. Quentin Flowers gets an invite. Combine, what you doing? You know, they ain't playing no quarterback in the NFL. Come on now. 
uh, I just really, uh, I'm disappointed that Flowers gets an invite because we kind of know at this point. I mean, Barrett, we know, uh, at least Tanner Lee. Uh, I guess the names that you guys are mentioning out is day three. I like Tanner Lee because he actually ran some pro style. Uh, give me Kurt Bankert from Virginia. I've seen him do some uh, really good things. I thought he had a, a, a pretty decent showing at Senior Bowl, too. And then I think a combined snub that you just brought up, Nick Stevens, Colorado State, uh, actually ran some pro style. I believe he could take snaps from center. What a novelty concept to bring someone at the pro level who is going to be doing some or can already do some of the things that we're going to ask him to do. So I think uh, Stevens, uh, under Bobo there, they run all kinds of packages and concepts that are very much pro. Uh, they run big personnel. Like I said, he understands like what a five and a seven strep drop and the difference and how to execute that. So I think uh, Stevens is a guy I'd rather seen there instead of guys like Barrett Flowers or, and yeah, Justin took the words right out of my mouth. Danny Etling, I just don't understand what they're wasting their time. And maybe, yeah, get him in a different environment, things might be different. But I, I just still think you're going to get the same results. It's the reason he uh, was forced out of Purdue and couldn't win a job on Daryl Hazel's staff. All you need to know about Danny Etling. But, uh, yeah, I think those day three guys, uh, Ferguson, Litton, Laletta, they get in there. Banker gets in there. Shimanek, who you brought up, he'll, he'll be drafted. And then Tanner Lee. Everyone's crazy about him on the pro circuit as far as my understanding just because of, you know, the the tools he has, big hands. And I thought he put some good throws out there during the week of practice. So I see him getting drafted. But, yeah, it'll be like a six or seven group and, uh, you know, not – not a lot to write home here about, but yeah, I'd like to see uh, of all these players. Uh, I'm very interested where Nick Stevens ends up, even if it ain't in the NFL. I think he's got some kind of pro ball uh, ahead of him. All right, we've uh, we've covered a ton of quarterbacks here on our positional preview series, and um, you know, a couple other guys, Alex McGow from FIU, four-year starter there. I have an interview with him up on the Draft Bible website. Uh, Brogan Roback from Eastern Michigan. We didn't get a chance to talk too much about Brandon Silvers from Troy. We've talked about on previous episodes. Uh, Jeremiah Briscoe, Sam Houston State, the UAB transfer. A lot of people thought he would receive an invitation to the Combine. So uh, Thomas Sirk, you know, the six-year collegiate from uh, Duke, finished up at ECU, another game, guy to throw out there in the mix. But, I mean, we, we've probably mentioned about 40 quarterbacks or so. So if there's a quarterback out there that we didn't mention you want to put on our radar, hit us up, man, at NFL Draft Bible, RIC, and the place to be right here right now. Talking to Joe Everett, talking to Justin Gamble, and uh, breaking it down here, we did some combine snubs earlier in the show. We just had our QB um, conversation, and I kind of want to carry that over to our next segment where, you know, we're going to react to our live mock draft, but since we're talking quarterbacks and we mentioned there's, you know, five quarterbacks potentially in the mix for um, first round consideration, I kind of wanted to put a uh, interesting question out there to you guys on the fly and it's something that, you know, you haven't prepared for. We we kind of try to make it a freestyle show. We have a generic basic rundown that we go off of, but it's it's for the most part a kind of freestyle type of situation, and, and this is going to be the ultimate freestyle. So, gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to put it like this. 
I want you to rank the best quote unquote available quarterbacks, whether it's the draft or free agents and kind of, you know, if you were a team, you know, we talked about, you know, would the Jets sign a Kirk Cousins or draft a guy, uh, Denver Broncos, are they better off going a, a veteran route or, you know, should they sign a veteran guy because the, the, the team is ready to win now? So with that being said, I'm going to pose it to you like this, and it's kind of hard. You know, we don't know if Kirk Cousins is going to be an unrestricted free agent, if they're going to tag him uh, and trade him, but we know he'll be available, you know. Uh, for this conversation, you know, obviously the Saints aren't going to let Drew Brees go anywhere, so I don't I don't really consider him being available. But when you talk about um, guys like Kirk Cousins, a Sam Bradford, uh, even a Jay Cutler, Josh McCown, um, Case Keenum will be available. Yeah. Teddy Teddy Bridgewater is out there. Uh, so with that being said, I'll start it off with um, you, Joe. If you're building an NFL team, uh, Brock Osweiler's out there. I mean, maybe maybe some people <laughs> like him more than Josh Allen. I don't know. I'm just saying. Who are the five best quarterbacks, I guess? I'll put it to you like that, Joe. Who are the five best quarterbacks? that you would build a team around if you were starting from a clean slate? Uh, how do you rank them? Where does a Kirk Cousins, where does a Sam Bradford, where does a Case Keenum fit on your board compared to Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and Baker Mayfield? Let's hear it. I'm still taking Super Sammy first. Uh, I'm taking Josh Rosen first. Uh, I'd rather have the rough uh, patches in the beginning than have some established guy right now. I mean, if I've got to choose between the two. Uh, all, ideally, though, uh, I wouldn't mind having Cousins bringing in Baker Mayfield. You know, just have both of them in camp. Or uh, make a trade with Philadelphia, bring in Nick Foles while you draft Josh Allen. Similar to what we did in the mock, uh, we had, uh, I think it was Washington Redskins picking. They just made the trade for Alex Smith. And I'm like, hey, I know this is going to sound dumb right now, but think of the future. Take Josh Allen as well. Have your veteran for the placeholder year one, year two. Bring in your guy after you've polished him up and uh, really fine-tune all the, the skill set. But I, I, I can't avoid these top three guys. There's just too much talent right there. And then then I'd be looking at Cousins. I'd be looking at making maybe an acquisition for Foles. I guess he doesn't count for free agency. So I, I'd take uh, Darnold Rosen Mayfield. Then I'd go Cousins, uh, Keenum, then uh, probably Teddy B. I still believe well, let's make in that it interesting, kid. Uh, Joe. Let's make it interesting. Throw Foles in the conversation because I think I think Philly will entertain offers. I don't think they necessarily want to trade mm-hmm. him, but if the price is right, they might be willing to to part ways with the with the Nick Foles. So I mean, where does he stack up? I think Cousins four, Nick Foles five. Then uh, just what he's done, what he's established to, uh, just, he can eat up a system and play well. Not every system, mind you, but he certainly took right to Doug Peterson, and I'm not going to call it uh, similar to what they did under Chip Kelly, but that's a guy that he's got all the techniques down. He's seen a bunch of coaching staffs, and you just can't underrate that at the quarterback position. Both Cousin and Foles, uh, having that experience, just uh, all that coaching, it uh, it only comes with years and years of doing it and repetition and uh, I've, I've probably bored people to death with this, but I stand by it. Uh, I was uh, Chris Chandler 
a longtime veteran quarterback, it just attests and swears to it. Is I didn't learn how to play until I was 30, 31, and by that time my body just fell apart. Well, for guys that have actually taken their licks and their bodies aren't in the worst uh, shape, and that's Cousins and Foles, I think, uh, going to a new scheme. They've got to be appealing to a franchise. Like you said, if you're starting over, uh, you need someone to take those snaps day one. I'd feel pretty confident in Foles and Cousins. Um, Keenum, uh, he'd be third on that list, but he'd be right ahead still. I think at Josh Allen, I'm standing by it, guys. I think you're going to have to wait at least a year for Josh Allen to, to, to make his impact felt on the league kind of similar. Like, well, let's be honest, you know, uh, the Carson Wentz for Philadelphia wasn't some game changer year one. I mean, he had to acclimate, and I think that acclimation period is it's going to be crucial for a guy like Josh Allen, and that's why I'd, he's still, I think, behind the bus on some of those veterans like Keenan Foles and Cousins. So, yeah, I'd have it Darnold, Rose, and Mayfield, and then Cousins, Foles, Keenum. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, Chandler. Uh, you know, we've seen guys discover themselves later on in their career. Obviously, Rich Gannon, who's now with John Gruden as the OC or QB coach or something over there. Uh, Brad Johnson, another guy who came on later on in his career. Justin, I mean, I don't know if Jeff Fisher was that bad of a coach, if Doug Peterson is that great of a coach, if Nick Foles, is, is, is he is he this guy? Is he the guy hosting the Vince Lombardi Trophy? I don't think he's the guy that was in St. Louis with Jeff Fisher. Is he somewhere in between? How does a veteran guy stack up versus a rookie guy? And, you know, is there more value to a Case Keenum who's uh, experienced and, and a Kirk Cousins that can get you there maybe faster and hold the fort? Or, you know, are you taking – your chances in rolling the dice on one of these young guys. I mean, we've talked about the Rosen concussions, some injuries there in the past, Darnold, the wild card X factor there, Mayfield. I mean, really you were, how, how much do you want to roll the dice with a six foot quarterback? And I know, you know, I forgot to mention AJ McCarron because the NFL is going to rule on his uh, contract status and they may potentially make him, an unrestricted free agent. So does McCarron factor in to the top five overall quarterbacks that could be available for you? He doesn't. <laughs> I'll answer that black and white. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Foles, I'll answer the Foles question real quick, though. I think the answer about, you know, is he as bad as Fisher or as good as Peterson? It's somewhere in the middle. To me, I think Foles is still a career backup. Um, I don't see him being a guy that can handle – you know, a, a complex system that asks him to kind of do most of the work. I know that, I mean, watching that game, it was like the scheme and the play calling that Peterson had, it was, I wouldn't say it did it four folds, but it was so brilliant. It was like, he always had an outlet. He always had an option. The defense was always fooled or frozen at some point where it gave him, you know, easy options and easy reads and easy ways out. But overall, I don't think he's a guy who would ever really, be part of a winning NFL team and be the reason that they're winning. Um, so Foles is not in my top five. Um, if I had to rank my top five, it would be Rosen first. And here's the thing too, is a lot, a lot of these veteran guys, we know what they are. And I feel like this rookie or this um, incoming class of guys in the draft, they have their high ceiling guys. We're not banking on, you know, guys that could be something, but are limited. Rosen has a skill set that could be an elite, quarterback in the NFL 
Um, Darnold is right after him. I think Darnold could be, you know, maybe Romo supercharged. He's bigger. He's uh, probably has a stronger arm. So Rosen and Darnold are still my top two. If I'm building a team, I want those guys. I'm banking on their ceilings. I'm banking on what I've already seen them do in college, and it's pretty special. Um, and then my third guy would be Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I've seen what he is, but what he is is pretty darn good. And I think he's not an elite starter. I wouldn't even call him a high-level starter, but he's an above-average starter um, in the NFL who can really, you know, be part of a winning franchise and be part of the reason they're winning. He might not be he – he's not going to carry a team, but he's a guy that I think, you know, if you surround him with good things and give him a decent coaching staff, he's not going to lose you games. Um, he's got enough arm talent. He's got enough athleticism and mobility where he's not limiting you that way. So Cousins is a guy that I would take at the third spot. And then fourth overall, I'm going to take Josh Allen because his traits and arm talent alone and mobility, they're enough to stress a defense in ways that you just don't want to be stressed. As an offensive coordinator coming into a game playing Josh Allen, the things you would have to account for, let alone you know just by by himself and then – Add in a system like Doug Peterson's or Sean McVay's where the system alone is tough to prep for. And as, an, as a defensive coordinator, you have a lot to think about and a lot to game plan for. Um, so Allen is a guy that I would take it. I would love to have as a coach just to, to work on his upside and his development would be insane. Um, and then fifth, this is where it got tough because I was split between two Sooners. Baker Mayfield, yeah, he's six feet, but he's got the arm. He's got the the gamer mentality. I just wonder how well he translates his skill from Oklahoma to the NFL game where the windows are a lot tighter. Um, His ball placement needs to be a lot better. Um, So it was kind of split between him and Sam Bradford because Bradford is one of the most brilliant passers I think I've ever watched play the game. But he's been injured so much. And I don't really you know, if I'm starting a team, I don't know if I want to bank on a guy that's been injured a lot, but his passing ability alone is just, it makes you drool sometimes. But um, that fifth spot, it would be a tough decision. I'd probably have to go Mayfield, but Bradford's close, close right after that. Amazing when you think that a guy who's made $114 million in his <laughs> career isn't even in our top five <laughs> available quarterbacks sure. with Bradford. Bradford will surely hoodwink somebody and get another $18 million a year uh, from somebody. And I think, you know, when you take a look at the Jimmy Garoppolo contracts, you know, he's going to make more money the next five years than Tom Brady made through his first 14 NFL seasons. It's just unbelievable the amount of money you have to pay these quarterbacks and $30 million a year for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. God bless him. Uh, there's some talk. That's why Russell Wilson is going to be making cameos at, at the Yankee spring training. You know, sounds like he wants a new contract. He, he made something like 17 million or 19 million, I think is remaining on his career. The next two years, he's looking at these QB QB contracts being tossed around and saying, Hey, what about me? Um, well, you know, we, we've taken the show almost to the max here. We are going to do NFL mock draft reactions, I promise you, because <clears throat> we promised you we'll do it. Um, Joe, I know you are tight on time, so I'll let you throw out your mock draft reaction. We'll take it all at once, and then if you want to hang up and boogie, I know you'll, you you got places to be, so I appreciate you uh, working with your schedule. Justin, I appreciate you waking up early, so we'll start it off with you, Joe. 
uh, your mock draft reaction. Again, it's available right now on NFLDraftBible.com if you want to follow along. I have all the picks up there, 1 through 32, and we'll just take it in a big bunch. Joe, what do you got for us? Well, just four things, really. Uh, I think Josh Allen is going to end up going higher than what we had. Uh, that's why I almost just had to put him when it was my turn to pick. It's like, man, the Redskins would just, I think, be sprinting up to the podium. There's so much upside there. A lot of teams, uh, like as, as far as the prospect that people are going to get carried away on as the process continues on, he's definitely one. And then uh, two players, uh, Lamar Jackson might end up in the first round, so that's maybe one omission. And then one that I am i blame myself totally, uh, the Patriots pick, I'll just say it right now, should have been my boy Mike Hughes, uh, the, the Central Florida corner, that, that Hughes kid, uh, he's a kick returner, he's going to time really well. I think that's a guy, he'll end up in the first round, and that's, I put myself out there and I'm fully to blame on that one. So, uh, And then the last one, <laughs> I thought the, one of the interesting parts of our mock was the linebackers. Uh, we basically got Edmonds, uh, Rashawn Evans, and Raquan Smith, I mean, right next to each other, right after one another. And I guess that'd be the, one of the curious things is which linebacker does get drafted first and uh, what is our order of preference on there? I mean, it's obviously be happy to have any of that trio, but uh, I don't know where you guys rank them and uh, how that lines up would be interesting to me because I'll I'll just be honest. After watching a national championship game, I'd I'd love to have Smith on my team. That's just a guy, he made a great impression, I think, on that that final game of college. So I don't know where you guys have those linebackers ranked, and that's one part of our mock. I just sat there like, man, that is a cluster of three really good players. Yeah, interesting. You know, I didn't even notice that until you just pointed it out, Joe, and and I'll probably start off there with, with Justin. So, uh, you know, again, I know you got a boogie, so we appreciate the time. I'll let you hop on off and, and be where you got to be, and, and uh, we'll go over to Justin. So uh, any parting shots, uh, Joe, before we let you roll? Oh, no, just uh, glad to get it in. Uh, it's always nice for the double dip, and, yeah, we'll definitely be back next week for sure. Yeah, no doubt, two for the price of one this week. That's Joe Everett, our executive director of college football. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe W. Everett. And uh, we sign off with Joe, and we'll pick back up with him next week. Justin, your thoughts on the mock draft? And, you know, let's start it off there with Joe's point. I mean, I think Rashawn Evans from Alabama went nine to Oakland. Roquan Smith uh, from Georgia went ten to San Fran. Tremaine Edmonds, 11th to the Dolphins, I think that, you know, these three players specifically can do an array of different things. I think depending on scheme and fit and how you want to use them, you could state a case for any three of these guys being the first linebacker off the board. But what's your your take on it? I think think the media, we might be overrating Roquan Smith a little bit. Maybe just I'm saying that because comparing him to Rashawn Evans and Edmund and Tremaine Edmonds, I don't think he's near the big, you know, freaky specimen those guys are. I think those guys move just as well as he he does. I think they even are better in coverage than he is, Um, and I think they're more versatile. I think that they are, you know, just their strength on tape is noticeable. Um, and, and, you know, Smith is a little more limited. We see that he's really struggles to get off blocks. 
Um, he's not the best in the run game when he's not kept clean. He's a beautiful run and chase tackler, and he's great on the weak side. Um, he's great as being the scrape defender, but overall, you know, his lack of length, his lack of size and physicality taking on the blocks and, you know, kind of wrecking shop in the middle, I think it's very noticeable. I think Oklahoma and Georgia – or Oklahoma and uh, – what was it? There was another game. I think even Bama. There was a few games that I remember watching where I'm like, you know, this his his size deficiency is really coming into play right now. Um, but Evans and Edmonds don't have that that you know those worries at all. They're they're such big freaks in the middle, but they still are just as fast and cover so well. I think it, those two are going to go higher than we think, and I think Roquan Smith has a chance to drop a little bit. Um, but overall, looking at the mock, I think it was interesting how there really wasn't consensus among the offensive tackles, I think looking at like the top three or four, you could move those around in any order and really no one knows how they're going to fly off the board because there's so much differing opinion on Orlando Brown. Um, I think he was our first offensive tackle taken, but personally I don't really see how he, you know, succeeds at a high level in the NFL. I think there's a lot of things to his game that are not going to translate, but then we got Connor Williams behind him, Okorafor from Western Michigan, and I think you could in, in McGlinchey too. McGlinchey went at 26 to Atlanta. I think you could move those four around in any order, and we know what. Could you really argue it anyway? Could anyone say like, "Hey, that's wrong"? I don't know. Um, I, I don't really see it being like that. And then uh, I did want to comment that we had a good defensive line class. We had Harrison Phillips sneak in there, uh, Mo Hurst, Taven Bryan, Vita Vea, Deron Payne, some good players up in there. Um, it's a deep D line class. And I think, you know, teams, we, we could even see more defensive linemen sneak into that first round. Um, Andrew Brown for Virginia. I'm not super high on him, but I've heard others are, I heard that he could be, you know, he could scoot up RJ McIntosh from Miami has potential to fly up some boards. So, um, it was an interesting exercise, but I think it kind of revealed how there's just no consensus really anywhere in this entire class at any at any um, positional group, maybe safety, maybe Minka is probably the top safety all around. Saquon Barkley is probably the top running back all around. But other than that, there is, you know, there's even, even Calvin Ridley at wide receiver, there's questions about him being older and his, you know, him being thin. So I don't know. I thought it was just so interesting that finally we get a class where no one knows anything about what's going on. Yeah, you know, you're right. We're 77 days away from the draft, and there's still yet no consensus. And maybe the combine will will help us to start gaining a consensus. But you would like to have your board set before the combine and kind of you know check off the boxes and either confirm or deny what you saw with the combine. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting exercise. And you know, since this is a quarterback positional preview show, last question for you, Justin. You know, I think it's an interesting scenario with Buffalo picking 21 and 22. We mentioned, you know, if you want one of those big four quarterbacks, Darnold, Rosen, uh, Mayfield, or Allen, we had the first four going off the board in the top 13. I think Joe's right. I think think all four of them will be off the board even sooner. I think ESPN did a mock draft where the four of them were off the board in the top six. Uh, Buffalo 21 and 22. It's interesting. I mean, if Lamar Jackson is there for the picking, in your opinion, is he better than what they already have in a Tyrod Taylor? And I think we forgot to mention maybe Tyrod in the available quarterback list, but if you're Buffalo, 
would you rather have a Tyrod Taylor or Lamar Jackson? Well, you guys know how I feel about Tyrod Taylor. I've done a lot of tape study on him, and I kind of – I've always – I hate to say it, but he is just really bad. He is really, really bad. Um, I think his accuracy is just piss poor. He makes he, – he's horrible at making on-scheduled reads and getting the ball out on time and reading the middle of the field. I think the reason he's running around for his life so much is not because he's being pressured. It's because he never is on time with anything he does. Um, I think Petrino's system has gotten Lamar Jackson uh, a lot more prepared than we think for doing simple things the NFL will ask him to do. And I think if Buffalo were to take kind of the Bill O'Brien approach and say, you know, we have a guy who's absolutely dynamic with his arm and his feet, but we, you know, kind of have to dumb things down a little bit at first and acclimate him slowly and play to his strengths, I think, Lamar Jackson could be special, and he could be a lot, a lot better than Tyrod Taylor. Um, I think at one of those two picks, if they don't think Taylor's their guy, and I, I don't think they think that, they got to roll with Lamar Jackson because that is just, again, like Josh Allen, that's a lot of stress on defensive coordinators um, and schemers you know, to try and defend that kind of dynamic athletic ability. And he's got the arm, he's got the whip to throw downfield too. Even if he's not super accurate at first, you're still having to defend all these things, and you're still stressing the defense. So, and I, I really hope that Buffalo would, if, if they don't think Lamar Jackson's their guy, or if they don't think Tyrod's their guy, I really hope they would pull the trigger on uh, Jackson right there. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor, more of the known commodity. Lamar Jackson, obviously a boomer bust prospect here in, in the eyes of many talent evaluators. So uh, Justin taking his name off the list from uh, Tyrod Taylor's agent Christmas card list. You won't be receiving one in the mail this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, what am I going to do? That being said, <laughs> it's time for your parting shot here, Justin. And uh, again, two for the price of one this week. It was always fun talking draft with you guys we got two shows in this week and even went over uh the time limit on, on both shows but quick hot take parting shot for the people here before we wrap things up i think Taven bryan could be a top 10 pick um looking at him and looking at like go back and look at jj watt coming out of wisconsin there are some similarities to their game and the way that they're they use their functional strength and their hands um, their athleticism, and I think Taven Bryan is one of the best athletes in this class by far. At any position, I just think if you look at him, the things he's able to do just based on pure talent alone, it's absolutely insane. I think he could play defensive end in any scheme. I think he can rush. I mean, he can rush along the line at any position. Um, there, you just can't teach his bend and his quickness off the ball and that fluidity in a guy that's 300 pounds. So um, especially after the combine, especially after pro days, especially after, you know, scouts start putting final grades and finishing up tape, his upside is so immense. He could be such a dominant player on the defensive line. I think he might end up a top 10 pick. Hmm. Yeah, he went 25th <laughs> overall. Yeah, I mean, he went 25th overall in a, in a mock draft. And so that's a guy, I mean, I really have to circle back. And, and you know, it's it's tough with these underclassmen. You know, you talk to some of the scouts, you know, the stress of 130 underclassmen declaring on January 15th, 
I mean, some of these scouts are being asked to evaluate, you know, 60 players, you know, 60 underclassmen by one scout. I mean, there's just, as funny as it sounds, there's just not enough time in the process to do your due diligence. And that's why we try to do our scouting reports on these underclassmen ahead of time. But these NFL front offices aren't necessarily prepared to do all that, you know, or have all that information when you talk about the background checks and the medical information and the off the field character uh, due diligence that you have to do on each guy. I mean, it's a lot of work, 130 guys and and we got 77 days left. Uh, You know, Hey, that's the NFL draft process. That's the beauty of it. And that's why a guy like Taven Bryant, who, you know, could be skyrocketing up draft boards, as you heard Justin say. So, uh, another jam-packed show in the books. Of course, Joe Everett at Joe W. Everett, Justin Gamble at Gamscout, me, the RIC, Rick Saratella at Rick Saratella. Of course, you can follow all of our wonderful work at the NFL Draft Bible, at NFL Draft Bible. We're going to have a lot of exciting announcements between now and the draft, and especially this month of February. Of course, you can check out that mock draft we've been talking about up on the on the website, NFLDraftBible.com, along with our scouting reports. We've got about 200 of those, our player interviews, our uh, guest contributor, weekly analyst, guest columns. I mean, you want it, we got it when it comes to the NFL draft. There's no doubt about it. We've been bringing you the names you need to know first since 2002. It's just what we do, and uh, we'll be back next week. We've got jam-packed shows just about every day. Uh, David Patterson will be on our show tomorrow, the Fresno State Offensive Tackle. We'll speak to him at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday edition. We'll be coming back Monday with Mike Stevens, NC State, uh, taking Tuesday off and then coming back Wednesday with Trey Johnson out of Villanova. Uh, Thursday we'll have Chris Murray from Arkansas State. Uh Thursday, Darren Cowart from South Dakota School of Mines, and then I'm going to talk to Justin and Joe about coming back at you next week, Friday, with the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Until the next time, everybody, we'll catch you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.